Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out, hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee, and, and it, will, it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out, leave us a note, tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built, so if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Welcome back to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. If you love football, if you love comeback stories, this is going to be amazing. My brother, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. What's going on? How's your day going? It's good. I uh, just got out of my investments class and uh, just headed into work. So stepping out for a quick call with you. Nice. Okay. First, I got to ask you. Well, first, I want to thank our sponsors and the reason why, and because uh, I know you're an athlete and I've known a lot of times when you get done working out, you get that delayed muscle onset soreness. And my, my company that sponsored today's episode is a company called NutriBio, one of the best sports companies in the world and i'm using their product um help, it's called reload to help me not feel so weak and as i get older so definitely check out nutribio.com so i gotta ask you first question is how many people get your name wrong um a lot so especially when i go to starbucks it's always uh roman rowan with the w ronin anything but my actual name i love that Tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from and what kind of little boy was Rowan? Right. So first off, thanks for having me on. Um, Really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, And yeah, so I am originally from Worthington, Ohio, which is about 15 minutes um, north of Ohio State. Um, Grew up in a nuclear family. Have two older brothers, um, Liam and Jude. Liam played football at Ohio State with me. Um, was with the Raiders, then the Steelers, and then back with the Raiders for this preseason this year, and then just got released. So he's looking to be on another team here soon, praying for that for him. Um, and then Jude was a cheerleader at Ohio State. Um, then him and his girlfriend moved up north and cheered for the Detroit Pistons. And then he was on the cheer team with the Cleveland Cavaliers when they won their world championship on what, 2016, I believe. So pretty jealous of him he's got a world championship ring um all i have are you know rings from Ohio state i don't want to say you know all i have but 
Um, definitely, definitely jealous of him. Uh, come from a pretty athletic family. Um, dad played sports in high school, uh, not into college because he had to support himself and his family. Um, mom from a Arlington. Fun fact about her, she's probably going to hate me for saying this. She was actually one of the first Victoria's Secret runway models. So pretty no interesting. Way. Yeah, so pretty interesting. Um, definitely a blessing in our family that uh, God has given us. Um, now, I have, a, I have a son, and his name is Liam. So, really? Yeah, so it's really rare. No to, way. Like, we try to find stuff. It's hard to find stuff for Liam anywhere. It, yeah, try finding it for Rowan. Rowan's oh, forget harder. Especially how they spell my name. I, we always used to go to family vacations in Florida, and all the little name tags uh, that they, they'd give out in the souvenir shops. You know, I'd be lucky to find, you know, Michael, which is actually my first name. So, actually, fun fact about that, um, every – guy in my family so me my brothers and my dad are all named michael and my mom is michelle is that why it's the five michaels yep nice yep. i love it i love it and uh, obviously a, a nice irish family uh, so it's funny my grandpa uh, is scotch irish but my grandma my dad's side is actually greek so we, we kind of more identify with our, our greek culture than any of uh, any of our other mixes Wow, so it must be awesome when you guys get together for dinner. You guys must oh. make some awesome food. <laughs> food is great, you know, uh, drink is great, and, you know, definitely a good family, good family experience. Now, were you an athlete coming up, and how were you in school? Yeah, so um, I first started off, I played basketball and t-ball, like I feel like every other kid does, and football, um, but then quickly found out that, I'm not the greatest at basketball or t-ball um, in any capacity. So I switched over to wrestling and lacrosse instead of, uh, instead of those two. And then it turned out I was pretty good at wrestling. Um, went to state in eighth grade. Um, then freshman year came and I decided to focus purely on football. Um, and then... So how I actually got into long snapping, which is what I was recruited for uh, to begin with at Ohio State, uh, Liam, uh, when he started his football career at my high school, his freshman year, they needed a long snapper. So our head coach um, gave him the opportunity. Turns out he was pretty good at it. So my dad, being the businessman he is, thought, hey, maybe this is a way that we can save some money for college. So Liam started going to these football camps with a guy named Chris Rubio of Rubio Long Snapping. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal long snapping instructor. Um, he got ranked pretty highly and started going to these college camps and getting offers. So when I, kind of, I, I kind of followed suit and became a long snapper, started snapping in, in sixth grade. Six, uh, yeah, sixth grade. And got ranked. You know, you know how rankings are with football. You know, I jumped from anywhere from two to four. Was never able to secure that number one spot, but um, which kind of makes me envy Liam because ESPN had him ranked coming out of college as the number one snapper. Um, but overall, um, was a decent athlete, decent long snapper. Up in uh, at Kilbourne, I was a three-way starter didn't really come off the field. I had some opportunities to go play football for other positions other than a long snapper at smaller schools. I uh, turned those down because obviously Ohio State is my dream school or was my dream school at the time. So um, went to Ohio State, um, 
Okay, so uh, DC, I, I want to know because, you know, I, I'm a big sports geek. I, I love sports. I've always been a big sports guy. And I love talking to athletes. So uh, if I geek out a little bit, I apologize. But uh, talk to us about your recruiting class and when you actually sat down with your coach. Because, you know, I've talked to a lot of coaches on this show. And a lot of coaches says, I, I want them to become men first and then football players next. What, right. what was your um, recruiting like? Right. So that kind of, that'll lead me in a, in, into two different points. So the first point, sitting down with my coach, um, it was, I sat down with coach Combs, Kerry Combs, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal coach, even better person. Um, dude just cares about his players. I feel like everybody feels that, uh, very high intensity will, doesn't mind ripping you apart, but it's all out of love and all out of, uh, you know, trying to build you as a football player and, and even as a man. Um, so sat down with coach Combs, um, and I basically looked at him and I said, this was even before I had like my official offer to come to Ohio state, um, sat down with him before. And I basically told him, I was like, listen, I want to be the next Ohio state long snapper. I want to be the next, you know, whatever you can be at long snapper. I don't know, Ray man or or Patrick Manley award, uh, which is a new award that just came out for, uh, for long snappers, but sat down with him. Basically, he kind of knew that Ohio State was my dream school. And even though I had other offers um, like Cincinnati, Toledo, uh, Georgia to go and, and, and snap at those schools, he kind of knew that Ohio State was my, you know, go to go to place. So it was kind of already set in stone. Um, basically, in, in my senior year of high school, this is kind of funny. So I came to Friday Night Lights uh, with Coach Meyer and snapped in front of him. And I looked up at him for any criticism. And he just looked at me and said, Rowan, you're fat. You need to lose weight. And at that point, I, all I said was, yes, sir. And then I thought to my, I was like, dang, am I really, am I really chubby? At the time, I weighed 250 pounds. So, I mean, I'm not the genetic freak that, you know, I could be 250 pounds out of high school and look good. I was pretty chubby, but and I thought to myself and I thought, you know, does coach Meyer hate me? Does he criticize my snaps? But he didn't. And so I thought that was a, that was a blessing that he, instead of focusing on my snaps, he just told me I was fat and need to lose weight. So I lost 40 pounds and dropped down to 212 uh, before I got to Ohio state. Um, but that kind of leads me into sitting down with coach Combs and basically it was a kind of a done deal. Uh, already had prior relationships with the coaches from being around with my brother, uh, being in the facility, and just cultivating those relationships through my brother. So my brother kind of expedited the process of me onboarding to Ohio State. Okay, then I have a question for you. Like I said, I'm a sports geek, and um, I realize you know that that some teams there's a reason why they have a winning uh, a winning mm-hmm. way. Now, I'm a Dolphins fan, and we haven't had a winning way for a long time. But I think Brian Flores is trying to change that. So what yes. makes the program at the Ohio State such a successful program? Okay. Yep. Good question. I think two points with that. First one would be uh, the way they recruit. And second one would be or, – or who they recruit, I should say. Second one would be – how they develop. Um, so talking about my first point, 
the way they recruit, who they recruit, they're not always looking for these five-star, you know, four-star guys. You know, I think Ohio State's have a history of recruiting those three-star athletes, but then they come in and, and turn out to be, you know, these dogs that are just absolutely dominant in college. And I feel like that is attributed to their work ethic at, at, uh, at our facility, Coach Mick and our strength staff. They don't care. The first thing that they do when you come to Ohio State is humble you. They, everybody's on the equal playing field, whether you're a, a, a walk-on, whether you're a scholarship guy, whether you're a long snapper, a linebacker, or a defensive lineman, they humble you. They say, you know, we don't really care if you're a five-star athlete, four-star athlete. You know, we care about how hard you work, the time you put in, and, and the devotion and loyalty you have to our brand. So I feel like that is one pillar of success that Ohio State really, uh, really breeds on. And the second one is their character development. Um, so when they recruit, they market themselves, I think, a lot to the parents with, uh, you know, developing not only a great athlete, but a great student, a great future father, uh, future husband and son. So Ohio State puts a lot of priority on how they develop their athletes while they're at Ohio State. So I feel like um, and this will kind of get into my situation, but the whole life after football and how do you set yourself up? where if a, tra if a tragic event happens or you don't go to the NFL or you go to the NFL for one or two years, not working out for you, how do you, you know, be productive and be a productive member of society, obtain your goals financially, career-wise, and just being a person, being a man? You know, and I love that. And we're definitely going to hop into that because I've, I've interviewed a couple of different retired NFL players. So we'll definitely hop into that. But, you know, now when you, a lot of times when you hear, you know, the position long snapper, the only time they get known is when they whenever they screw up. Yep. It's kind of like a kicker. You know, you don't yep. really know their name until they miss a field goal. And then uh, uh -huh. then you hear all about it. So what was it like having to earn your stripes on the field every single day? Uh, yeah. So it was pretty rough, honestly. So I came in as a freshman and. I was very, I was coachable, but I was very structured and sound in my form to the point where I didn't want to change anything. And it's hard because Ohio State, you have to be um, adaptable with a lot of our schemes, especially on our punt scheme, uh, because we snap offset, we, we lead the punter, depending on if they're an Australian punter. It's just, there's so many variables that come into play. So it was really hard for me to adapt to start because it was, always snap straight back um, in high school. And that's not something I really uh, knew to practice until I came to Ohio State. So first it was kind of hard, but then I understood that uh, it was, it was something where I was going to have to just continue to work, continue to work, continue to work. And uh, one thing I, one analogy I like to say is, you know, every single day I lay one brick and then at the end of a season, I look back and I built a whole wall um, and it might be, you know, some days are better than others, obviously. But it, as a long snapper overall, it is pretty hard because you you not only have to establish yourself on the field, but you have to establish yourself off the field with academics because, let's be honest here, no school wants to have a stupid specialist. No school, want, no school wants to have a specialist that brings down the GPA, team GPA. I mean, I, that kind of goes for every position, but it's kind of a, a standard within – specialists and special teams and especially long snappers you got to be smart you got to be you know accountable in the classroom um and 
a lot of the times for me, where I developed accountability was not only, you know, handling my own studies, but, but working with my teammates and allowing them opportunities to, you know, tutor them, help them, um, you know, let them better understand material um, and stuff like that. I mean, we all come from different backgrounds. We're all blessed in, in, in different capacities with different things. So I feel like one of my strong suits was academics. And I feel like that is what helped me um, kind of develop my reputation and my brand at Ohio State. So overall, being a long snapper, it's pretty hard. Um, and another aspect of being a long snapper is your teammates looking at you during practice. Are you the guy that, you know, goes into punt period, period one, and, then, you know, messes off, messes around the entire um, rest of practice? Or are you a guy who shows up, puts in consistent effort, um, and works hard at what you do? And, you know, your teammates see that. And it might be well, one hard thing for us is, Let's say you, you know, bust your ass 99% of the time and that 1%, you know, you slack off, but that's all your teammates see. Then you're, you're branded as this person who doesn't have good work ethic, stuff like that. So it's hard being a specialist, but it's easy if you understand your environment and understand, you know, what you do and, and who you're around. Now you've kept, you know, you were, cause I, I love, um, I love offensive linemen. I've always right. been I, – because I always believe that if you're on the offensive line, you have to be some of the smartest people, especially if you're at center. You have to be one of the smartest people on the field because you have to know everything that's going on with the offense and defense. Yep. So, so now how hard was it to keep up your studies while also kicking ass on the field? Because sometimes people don't realize, oh, you know, they're, they're just playing football – but when you have somebody that's trying to excel academically, um, it takes a lot out of you. So what was that like being a student athlete? Right. So overall, I would say, you know, different things have different levels of difficulty when it comes to academics. Like, obviously, material is hard. But I think the number one thing that Ohio State provides and Ohio State football provides, uh, you know, this leads in other other areas of my life as well. But time management, um, time management is huge, huge, huge when it comes to being a student athlete. Um, for me, I prioritized academics first and football second. And whether that means I had to miss, you know, part of a practice, I had to miss meetings, uh, whatever that may be, that was my priority. And Ohio State fully supported that uh, because I feel like being a football player and, and you, can't, you can't market yourself as developing these athletes and not letting them prioritize their studies. And Ohio State holds true on their word when it comes to that. Um, you know, they allow us to come and go um, as long as it's academic related. Um, and they prioritize our studies for us. They allow us tutoring opportunities where if, if I were to need a tutor for a class, all I would have to do is shoot my uh, athletic academic advisor a text message. And I would have a tutor appointment set up the next day for whatever I needed. Now, once you get into higher levels, higher level courses, it's, it's kind of hard to, um, but yeah. So overall being a student athlete and balancing academics and football, it can be pretty difficult at times, but as long as you have structure in place and you're able to build uh, schedules for yourself, able to allot time and allot priorities um, to different things, uh, Ohio state fully supports that. And it just makes uh, the student athletes life a lot easier. All right, so then talk to us, because a lot of people are listening very intently now. 
what was it like that first time out out on the field, hearing the roar of the crowd, knowing that you're you're going to be playing for the Ohio State Buckeyes and all over national so, TV? Yeah, so so that came for me um, during the spring game, actually. Uh, this past uh, this past spring game. So funny story about that. Uh, I don't know how well the listeners know my own background. Came in as a long snapper to Ohio State. Um, backed up my brother for a year. Then took second place spot um, to Brad Robinson, who's the current snapper there. Great kid, uh, great athlete. But was diagnosed with a rare heart condition. Uh, was sidelined for all of the prior season, last season. Uh, ended up being cleared to play again during the Big Ten Championship week. Came back and, uh, you know, worked with the team, was still kind of working through some stuff uh, medically. And then springtime rolled around, and two days before the spring game, uh, I had Coach Washington, our linebackers coach, which is actually a funny story. He coached at Boston College uh, and was a linebacker coach and deferred, yeah, linebacker coach at Boston College and actually came to my high school to recruit me uh, for, you know, linebacker when I was in high school. And I told him no, because I wanted to play at Ohio State University. So now that he's at Ohio State and our linebackers coach, you know, we were thin at linebacker. So he comes to me two days before the spring game and says, hey, Rowan, I know I recruited you at, at Boston College. Would you like a chance to play linebacker for us in the spring game? And I was like, I called my dad. I called, I put my, my parents on a, on a conference call, put my brother in there. And I was like, guys, I don't think you understand like what just, it was a dream come true for me. Um, so learned a couple plays before the spring game, went in there and I actually did, you know, pretty well with uh, not having a lot of experience and not be, not playing football uh, for what, three years. And so, you know, my experience playing though, it's, you know, you hear the roar of the crowd, especially because the spring game was the first event um, in the shoe that you know, we allowed fans back in the stadium um, because of COVID. So it was definitely insane hearing my, my name in the, in the horseshoe over the loudspeakers was something that, you know, being a kid from Columbus, excuse me, there's an ambulance, but uh, especially being a kid from Columbus, it's, it is a, like, it is surreal. And, you know, the first play I went out there and my, I was jacked up. I was, you know, I was like shaking with just excitement. I was kind of nervous, kind of nervous, but, you know, Coach Day and Coach Myers talk about if you prepare right, you shouldn't be nervous for anything. Um, there's no reason to be nervous. So I felt like as if I were prepared well for the spring game. I know I was only playing against, uh, playing against my own, uh, my own team, but, we're just running out of the tunnel and just hearing the roar. It all just becomes one loud, just noise. And you, you can't really focus on anything else. You kind of, you kind of just drown it out. Um, it's literally just, it just vibrates you in your bones and, and just hearing the speakers and, and everything like that. It's, it's definitely a, a crazy, crazy experience. So take us back to the day where, cause I know um, I got hurt and I was on active duty in the military and I got hurt. And I lost my eyesight. And at that point, I knew my my career was over. Um, so talk, take us back to the moment where you found out you had a heart condition. And what was that like? Yeah, well, well first off, thank you for you and your service and, and your devotion to our country and everything that you do. Really appreciate that. And I know a lot of people that are listening and do appreciate that as well. Oh, thank you. Um, 
Of course. Um, but yeah, so hearing the, uh, the news that I had a heart condition, uh, it was actually COVID related. So I had COVID in 2020. Um, and I know I didn't really think anything of it felt, you know, fine. And I know it affects everyone differently, but, uh, for me personally, it, it just felt like I had a cold. Um, my, my bones were a little achy, but then, uh, come to 10th day of isolation, I thought to myself, you know, being a student athlete, I can't just sit in my room for 10 days and not do anything. So I was, I was okay. They said I was okay. Cause I kind of live in a secluded neighborhood. Um, not many people are about there. So I decided, you know, I'm just going to go outside and, you know, put my mask on and, and go for a run. And so I went around, started off, uh, 100, 200 feet in, felt a little weird. And then I was about, about 500 feet in, I just, my heart was hurting. And I, I just felt like out of shape, out of breath. Uh, I don't really know how to describe it. Um, but I knew that something was, was wrong. So I, I walked back home, uh, went upstairs and I was like, man, like, I understand what being out of shape feels like, but like, this is something else. I texted my trainer uh, and I laid down. I like passed out in my room, woke up and they, they do screening for, um, all athletes that, that come back to, to play after they have COVID the cardiac MRIs to, to check for this condition, um, prior to, to returning to play because we, we exercise at such a, a high level. So got tested for it. Turns out my heart was one of the worst they've seen. Um, and my, my, when they told me the news that I had it, um, I, I immediately became just my, my heart sunk a little bit and it took me a second. A lot of the times when I personally deal with deal with situations and deal with big news, I just become like apathetic. I don't really have emotion. I just say, okay, you know, this is the situation and you know, we're going to have to, you know, deal with it. There's really nothing I can do. And so when this uh, situation came around, doctor told my heart sunk and I, I it kind of realization struck me and I said, you know, what's the recovery time looking like? He said, you know, we've seen players be back in six weeks from this um, or, 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 you know, regular people be back in six weeks. Um, so I was optimistic to start and six weeks rolled by. I followed uh, the doctor's notes and, and their recommendations to a T and six weeks came by. I got my other cardiac test. And my conditions uh, hadn't gotten any better. And so then I kind of felt a little, a little more defeated. But, you know, I still was kind of apathetic. And I said, you know, I can't control a situation. I can't control my heart. I'm just going to pray about this. Um, trust in God's plan for me and my life and my career at Ohio State. Um, and really just kind of give it up to him. So we kept doing cardiac MRIs. And turns out uh, it took me a, a, a total of four and a half months to get back uh, to play after my, my heart condition. And so they don't know the long-term effects of this heart condition, um, but it, it is, uh, it's definitely scary because I don't know if I'm ever going to have, you know, another episode at what, what uh, residual effects this can lead to. Uh, but when I heard the news, I was just very, you know, okay what can I do to come back? What can I do to add value to the team? And so that leads me to my next point. Uh, 
when I had this heart condition, I feel like a lot of this, I feel like everything happens for a reason. That's something I, I, I believe in. I'm a firm believer in. I had my hardest semester at Ohio State. I was getting to my finance specialization courses uh, within my major, and it allowed me the opportunity to focus on my studies and earn a 4.0 um, because, you know, I didn't have, I don't want to say I didn't have the pressures of football, but everybody knows when you got, the more things you got going on, the less eggs you can put into other baskets. But having this heart condition, silver linings to this, it allowed me to focus on my studies, allowed me to uh, maintain a high GPA and add value to the team. You know, and, I, and I'm thinking, you know, because I know how I felt, you know, when I was no longer Sergeant Kaufman and I had to figure out who Richard was. Mm-hmm. What was that like when you know, okay, I had to hang up the cleats. Now I have to figure out what's next. Because I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, they don't realize that you know, something happens like what's happening with you that they kind of give up. You know, they kind of say, well... You know, that's it for me. I'm done. I, I'm going to go back to trying to be normal. So what was right. that like for you? And and how did your faith um, push you through that? Right. I love that. Um, what was it like for me? Hard. That's that's one word that I that is the, the defining word in this entire experience. And I'm still I'm still struggling with it um, a little bit. But a lot of what I can attribute my. Um, my comfort to my comfort in in being who who I am and knowing who I am and my value outside of football. Um, Coach Meyer, uh, I was I had the ability to play under him and the opportunity I want to say to play under him uh, for a year. And in one team meeting, it was one of my first team meetings I ever had with him. He said, "Football uh, should be what you do, not who you are," and that stuck with me and I wrote it at the top of my notebook um, and I saw it every single day for the rest of my career at Ohio State. So that kind of led me to have motivation for my studies, motivation for um, hospitality work outside of football and building my network and building connections within my network. Um, so when, when or if a situation like this were to happen, um, where I, I tore my shoulder this past uh, summer and was had to medically retire on the 19th of, uh, of August. But it allowed me to understand life after football, um, the man I am, and my faith actually allowed me to find a sense of comfort in God's plan for me in my life. Um, and now I'm able to come out of these podcasts come and spread my, my story and, and my experiences and really open up the, my life and my experiences at Ohio State and the lessons that I've learned. So I feel like a lot of this can be attributed to Ohio State defining and putting in place a lot of these programs and structures that allow you to understand your value outside of football but also I feel like my background with my faith, um, knowing who you are as a man and a lot of how my parents have raised me, um, is always having backup plans, always having a plan for when something fails, uh, contingency plans, stuff like that. So my faith is probably my number one factor in allowing me, um, comfort, but my, uh, the way that I've set myself up for life after football 
is the number one thing in uh, allowing me the opportunity to, you know, move forward from this. You know, you remind me of a, a gentleman as he became a very good friend of mine. His name is Marquise Ogden and his brother, Jonathan, Jonathan. Um, and how he, he had to, he went from playing eight or nine years in the NFL to all of a sudden becoming a janitor and living at home with his parents and had to rebuild himself. So if there's somebody out there that's listening to this and that, you know, young guys or girls, you know, even playing sports, you know, what can they do to start preparing themselves for life after sports? Yeah. So I think, I think that's, you know, a fundamental question that's, that's relative to the, to every individual. Um, you know, everyone's going to be different for me. I was able to look at everything that I put myself into and in every opportunity that I've been given to do something or involve myself in, I don't attribute that to my identity as a man uh, or a woman. Um, Where I find my identity is in my faith, in my family, and in my relationships that I build. Uh, I know who I am as a man. I know who I am as a son. I know who I am as a brother. Um, I know the value that I contribute to the world. Um, and nothing anybody says or nothing that happens to me can remove that from me. Um, you know, I'm a man of faith. Um, I think everybody on this, in this world has a purpose. And we may not know our purpose. And that's something where, you know, I know it's not easy to always, you know, try to figure out and have a sense of. And you may never know. But all you can do is, is pray about it. Um, find something that you can kind of hold on to that you know is a, is a staple in your life, whether that's your family. You know, if you even don't have family or you don't have friends, you don't feel that, that sense, you know, start internalizing things and understanding who you are as a man, a woman, um, and what value you can add to the world. And if, if you don't think you can add any value, create value. You know, I'm a big believer in making opportunities, not waiting for them to happen for you. So if you're going to, if you're going to sit around and, you know, when situations happen, you feel sorry for yourself, that's not going to help in any capacity. You have to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to take these punches. I'm going to have defeat. I'm going to have failure. But what I do with that failure and what I do with these situations can really shape, you know, the person that I am. And I feel like a lot of this can also be attributed to, um, a foundation that Ohio state has laid through a, a man named Tim kite, uh, the E plus R equals O mentality. Um, e stands for events. R stands for responses and O stands for outcomes. You can't control the events in your life, but how you respond shapes the outcome that you want or that you desire. So I look at that and I say, yeah, I had a heart condition. What did I do? I focused on my academics to prioritize my life after football. Yeah, I tore my shoulder and had to get surgery last week on it. I can't control, you know, me tearing my shoulder. I can, I can, you know, I could look back and say, I could have mitigated the opportunity by not doing this, 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 and this. But if you live a life full of regret, you're not going to go anywhere. So you have to take the punches that, you know, you're dealt. You have to lean back on your faith and you have to understand who you are and where you want to go. And if you don't know, if you don't know where you want to go, that's okay. Just figure it out. And if you don't, if you can't figure out by yourself, talk to people, because I'm sure people are willing to help and people are willing to create opportunities with you. So that's my advice that I would have for, you know, people listening in. 
you know, and I truly appreciate that. And I love that. Now I, I should ask this before, but I, I want people to, that are listening to this, realizing how important relationships are. And a lot okay. of times, you know, whether you're in the, um, whether you're on the field, whether you're in the locker room, those guys that you bleed and you sweat with become brothers, even more important than on the field than off the field. So talk to us about building relationships, building real relationships. Right. So a lot of this, a lot of relationships um, are built through time, are built through face-to-face interactions. I know it's, it's hard with, with COVID going on and uh, fear of the new Delta variant coming out, but whether you, it doesn't matter your opinion on the whole situation, get in and get in front of people. Um, I think the number one issue in our society nowadays is social media. I think technology is a barrier. Um, it can, you know, provide us phenomenal connections and a phenomenal uh, breadth of network that we can have with people, but it doesn't allow the depth um, for your network. Um, I feel like pick up the phone, call somebody. My generation's scared to call somebody. Get on the phone, call somebody, say, hey, do you want to meet for lunch? Hey, would you like to, um, you know, go out and, and just connect in person? Um, real relationships, I feel like, are formed in, in tough times. Um, it's, you can always find common ground with people. Um, you know, it's especially during times of COVID. And so for me, a lot of this is now that I'm done with football, me trying to connect with people is doing things like this, podcasts, reaching out over LinkedIn, reach out over social media, utilize these platforms to, to grow your network. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how I kind of build connections and, and, and build my network outside of football. But inside of football, a lot of these, a lot of these teammates that I have come from different backgrounds. Um, I'm a, I'm a white kid from Worthington. Let's be honest. I, I live a very stable, sheltered life relative to a lot of my teammates. And when you are on a football team, you put your politics aside, you put your backgrounds aside and you work together for a common goal. Um, I think in relationships, a lot of the times where relationships fail is when you lose sight of that common goal and you start focusing on each other. Um, find common ground, find a common goal and work towards that. And tough times happen, but that's where you build character. That's where you build, um, you know, depth in those relationships. And in football, I've utilized that kind of mindset, that thinking to kind of connect myself with other teammates. You know, I talk to my teammates, everybody, as my teammates like to say, they, they want to, you know, quote unquote, make it out of the hood, make it where they can build a house, uh, you know, get a car for, get a car for, you know, their parents, stuff like that. So, you know, that's something I want to do as well, but how do you get there? And so you build, you find common ground, you have those locker room talks with these guys, talk to them about, you know, oh, that's something I want to do too. How do you think we can achieve that together? And, and so you kind of have to put, you know, things aside, put differences aside to build those relationships and uh, allow, you know, yourself vulnerability um, because people can sense vulnerability. People, people know when, you know, a topic's hard to talk about, you know, with, with, you know, whether it's a personal situation, academics, athletics, um, even your career, career conversation. People know when you're being vulnerable and people know when you're being genuine. People also know when you're not being vulnerable 
closed off and um, you know disgenuine. But I think a lot of it is just finding common ground with people, be having face-to-face -face interactions, and and working with people overall. So, what are your plans? What are you, what are your goals for the foreseeable future? Um. So. That's actually that's a really good question. That's something that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, now that football's over, I focus on, okay, what are my short-term goals? What, is, what are things that I'm doing right now that I can, be, that I can help set me up, myself up for when I graduate? I graduate in December with a finance degree. So right now, my personal goals are building my network, establishing my personal brand, um, and just having genuine relationships and intentional relationships. I feel like my, my theme over my life right now is intent. Um, everything I do, I want to have intent in doing it. Um, I am intentional with my day to day when it comes to going to class because I want to graduate with honors in, in, uh, in December and I want to be intentional in my relationships and in who I add to my network and and the relationships that i create with them so i'm i can utilize them in the future or they can utilize me um, and we can add value to each other but i think right now i'm focusing mostly on graduating building my network and just overall becoming the best version of myself that i can be and building up my brand so i can sell you know sell myself i want to go into sales sell myself to you know customers sell myself to businesses in order to genuinely create relationships and um, allow myself new and uh, growing opportunities. Okay. So last two questions. Um, how do we find you? How can we support your mission? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my handle is at R O E N M C C U L L O U G H. Um, and the way you can support my mission is just reaching out and talking to me. Um, I'm a pretty open guy, pretty relational guy. I don't care who you are, where you come from, what walk of life you're from, the issues that you know you're dealing with. Everybody is a person. I'm a person too. I don't. I'm an Ohio State football player. A lot of people are always, you know, so in awe about that. I want to say, but but I'm a I'm a I'm Rowan. You know, I'm a human just like you, just like everybody else. I I would love for people to reach out have a conversation with me. If you're going through something, struggling with something, I would love to talk to you. I would love to help you through that. See where I can add value in your life. And in doing that, you can add value in my life because that allows me also to feel like I'm, you know, doing something in the world, adding value to the world, just like I talked about earlier. So building relationships is my number one thing. And if anybody wants to reach out and talk, I'd be more than happy to set up a Zoom call set up an in-person uh, in-person conversation with those people. Now, normally I only ask one more question, but because it's you, I'm going to ask two more. Uh, next question is, you know, we still live in a crazy world. You know, a lot of states mm -hmm. are starting to lock down again. Um, so there's a lot of parents that lost jobs. You know, they're, they're driving Uber and DoorDash just to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. So, but if I ask somebody to do something in the next seven days, they're never going to get to it because of the busy life that we live. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're likely. So if somebody out there is struggling 
Maybe they lost a job. Maybe they lost a career. Maybe their health is, is, is failing. What is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help and start to right the ship? Uh, reach out. Just in general, reach out to somebody. Reach out to, to me. Reach out to you. Reach out to a family member. Reach out to a licensed professional in any situation um, that you're facing, an, an expert in that situation, because everybody goes through hard times. Everybody has challenges that they face in their day-to-day life. Um, and a lot of the times, people on social media do a great job of you know, hiding those. And that's one thing that I actually wanted to emphasize in my journey. I, I held a very, very, I feel like a very prominent and reputable, you know, oh, this is a good Christian guy's life, but nobody's perfect. You know, be, be a person who's willing to reach out to somebody else and start that conversation. Once you start a conversation, you don't know where it could go. A lot of these people that I'm meeting personally and that I've met in the course of my college career, it doesn't matter their, their own status. I've met people who are homeless, um, who have added more value to my life than any other person could just through genuine conversations and understanding their story and understanding that my perspective changes, my, per- my perspective changes based on reaching out and, and, and having relationships with other people. So the more relationships and the more connections you can form um, will help you take those actionable um, you know, decisions and then help, help you utilize your network to help you go through what you're going through and deal with these challenges. Okay, so last question. And I, this is the only ones that I ask certain people. Um, you know, because they say that if you if you don't feel close to God, you're the one that moved. He never moved. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if somebody out there is struggling with their faith, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get close to him again? That's a, that is a phenomenal question. And that is something that I'm still trying to figure out myself. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's hard feeling like you've been disconnected from God, feeling like God's put you in certain situations um, that, that you shouldn't be in. But I want to, uh, a saying that a lot of people say, a lot of people say, God will never put you in a situation that you can't handle. I, I don't, I don't believe in that. I say that's complete and utter BS because God will put you in situations that you can't handle. God will test you. God will, you know, bestow upon you these challenges in your life that you can't handle. Why? Because he wants you to turn to him and focus on dealing with those situations, you know, not by yourself. I think an actionable step that people can do in becoming closer to God is open your Bible, read, if you're going through something, if like for me, surgery and, and anxiety, I Google search Bible verses for anxiety. I'll look them up. You know, it's as, as stupid as it sounds. You know, I literally, I'll just Google verses, you know, daily. I, I go into, I'm going into a test. I'm going into a football practice. I'm going into a job interview. Bible verses for strength, Bible verses for X, Y, Z. Open your Bible, read the word, read the scripture, read what God is telling you. Um, as a man, a woman, father, brother, mother, son, um, you know, and understand that even if there were no other people on this world and you were the only person on this world, Jesus would still come die for you and your sins. That's how much you mean to, to him. That's how much you mean to, to God. And so 
a lot of people need to understand that their identity should be coming from God's word and how God loves them and cares about them and supports them rather than worldly things. I love that, brother. I'm so grateful that you took the time to hang out with us. This is going to be going out next season, so I think it's it's going to be going to be life changing. Um, I just want to say thank you, um, and people know that when they're on my show is when the relationship just starts, and I'm I'm into building generational relationships. So, and I just want to say, first of all, I should have said it at the beginning. Thank you for being most of all a brother in Christ. Well, I, I really appreciate uh, you having me on. I appreciate everything you're doing, spreading the good word um, and allowing people their opportunity to share their story and create those genuine relationships. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your sacrifice in this country, everything that you've done um, and continue to do. And I look forward to uh, building a a greater relationship with you. you. I love you, brother. Have an amazing week and God bless you and your family. God bless you as well. I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right, brother. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.